Today's a special day for me, uh, so I'm going to give a little context to introduce our speaker today. So um, when I look back at my time here at Northwestern as a student, um, sitting in those same seats that you guys are in right now, uh, there's a lot of little joys and sorrows that come to mind, um, but the overarching theme that I experienced here at Northwestern, and I hope that you get to experience during your time here, um, is a thing called legacy. Um, and this legacy is a passing on of the torch, so to speak, uh, where one person passes on the knowledge, skill, and wisdom they hold to another to grow them up as a leader um, as, and as a follower of Jesus. Um, and when I think about the word legacy, uh, the first person that comes to mind for me is Drew Shipp. Drew served here at Northwestern for a number of years in a role similar to what is now the spiritual formation director, kind of a combination role of mine as the worship arts associate and Darren's. Um, and since leaving Northwestern, he's served faithfully at Substance Church, a local, camp, a local church here in the cities. Um, but during his time here, Drew Shep uh, spent countless hours meeting with students like me to process the ups and downs of life, um, always with a steady presence, grace-filled perspective on top of uh, coordinating daily chapel um, that you guys are experiencing and I experience as a student here. It's a lot to do. Um, he's a man who daily lives out the call to make disciples um, and is committed to faithfully serving Jesus wherever he is placed. So it is my honor and privilege to welcome to the stage and introduce our speaker today, Drew Shep. Man. Oh, thanks, Jake. That was awesome. Northwestern, how are we doing? You doing good? Doing all right? Awesome. Uh, it is such an honor to be back here. I love this place with all my heart. Uh, as Jake said, I was here for a long time, served uh, in chapel, love get what, what God does in this space. And can I be honest? I know chapel's complicated. Like I know some of y'all are here because you have to be here. That's okay. Like I know that some of you are here, you'd rather be doing something else. Um, some of you are here. Different days, you have a rotating door of speakers and faces. And so I just want to encourage you when you're in these moments, no matter who's speaking, no matter who's on this stage, lean in. I truly believe that having mandatory chapel here at, at Northwestern is a gift to every single one of you as you are living in these spaces and walking through this room so many times over your time here at Northwestern. You just never know what God's going to do in this room. You never know when God's going to speak so clearly. You never know when God is going to show up in your life. You never know who he's going to do that through. So let me encourage you, when you show up in this room, show up in this room. Lean in. Even if you hear some things that you disagree with, you hear some things that you're not, you're not sure about, you're tired some days, who cares, right? Lean into this room. I believe God does some really incredible, special things, especially when we're tired, especially when we might, we might not want to be there in the moment. So I want to honor uh, Darren. Thank you so much for having me, brother. I've known Darren and his wife, Allie, for, man, long time now. Uh, Allie and my wife, Erica, grew up together, basically. Um, let me just tell you, being in the role that Darren in is really hard, right? So planning chapels, inviting speakers in, caring deeply about what God does in this setting. So can we just give it up for Darren and his spiritual formation team? Love you guys. You guys, you guys do such an incredible job. Uh, I was in that job for about seven years, and it's a lot, y'all. So be praying for your leaders, be praying for your pastors, be praying for your spiritual formation team. Uh, it's a big deal. I want to introduce you to my family. I got a quick picture of us here. We got four kids. I've been married to my wife, Erica, for 15 years now, so that's our crew. Um, the guy next to me with the matching hair, that's Judah. 
Uh, he's 14 years old, you know, my, my oldest, my firstborn. Next to him is our son, Eden. He is 12 years old. Uh, right in front of me there is our daughter, Eleanor. She is nine, going on 10, going on 22. Uh, she went and saw Carrie Underwood last night, and I'm just not ready for it, y'all. I'm just not, I just, terrifying. And the little girl there is Athalia. We call her Thaley. She is the joy of our life. She's also the terror of our life. I'll be honest, that you fourthborns, lastborn, youngest in the room, she's the best and she destroys everything. It's, it's incredible. Uh, so I just want to thank you for having me today. Super, super fun to be here. I want to start this morning with a question for you. Uh, and the question is this, have you ever found yourself in a situation that you didn't want to be in? Some of you are, you're there right now. Right? Like, you're, you're, like, yeah, I know I'm in chapel right now. I don't want to be here. Right? Uh, we've all found ourselves in, in situations we didn't want to be in. I want to tell you about one of those for me. I want to tell you about the time that I almost died at Disneyland. This, this actually happened, okay? Uh, several years ago, uh, some of our, our team and staff were at a conference in Southern California. Um, my pastor, Pastor Peter Haas, who, by the way, loves you, wants to send his greetings. Peter and Carolyn Haas are my pastors. They're incredible. Love them. Uh, my pastor is a Disney connoisseur. Like the dude is obsessed with Disney, okay? And so there's no better person on the planet to go to Disneyland with than Pastor Peter Haas. It was incredible, had the whole day planned out. For me, I'll be honest, you might be saying, man, Disney is the happiest place on earth. You, my friend, would be wrong. The place is awful, okay? Um, here's why. I am the biggest, most flaming introvert you could possibly imagine, okay? On a scale of one to 10, I'm a 572, okay? I, I'm so introverted. Listen, I love people. I'm a pastor. People are awesome. Y'all are just exhausting, okay? Like, straight up. Like, after a day of ministry, I want to take a nap, want to go to bed, have a Chipotle burrito, and try again the next day, right? So, Matt Disney, with about five billion of my closest friends, right, standing in line. About halfway through the day, we decided to go on Space Mountain, okay? It's about lunchtime. The park is filling up. Uh, so we wait in line for about three days, okay, for Space Mountain. That's what it felt like. And Disney is so good at that. Have you been, have you been at Disney before? Like you're waiting in line. Like, oh, I see the end of the line. You walk up in the, nope, another corner, another 50 feet of line. You get up here. Oh, the end of, nope, another corner over here, right? It's just, it's crazy how they do that. Okay, so Space Mountain, we get to the front of the line finally. I go to step into the ride, and I realize very quickly I don't fit in Space Mountain, Okay. <laughs> I'm about 6'9", okay, if you can't see that, about 250 pounds. I don't fit in Space Mountain, okay? So I go to sit down, and my, before my butt hits the seat, my, my, my knees hit the seat in front of me. So I'm, so I'm here in a half squat, okay? Like, what am I going to do? And this teenage punk, right, who's running the ride, walks by, looks me up and down and goes, and he keeps walking. <laughs> I'm like, bro, like what? So there I am in my half squat, okay? trying to, okay, what am I going to do? And the ride starts. <laughs> like, it starts moving. I'm like, this is it. I'm going to die on Space Mountain. <laughs> I can imagine my pastor calling Eric and be like, hey, Eric, I'm so sorry. We lost him on Space Mountain, <laughs> right? Like, and so we're, we're, we're moving, okay? And so we're going, okay? We're, we're making our first climb, and I'm still in my half squat, okay? So I'm like, what am I going to do? So I literally start trying to force my butt down. I force my butt down, my knee pops up, right? I barely get the clicker over me, it kind of latches, and I go on the scariest, most chaotic, frustrating, terrifying three minutes of my life, okay? Man, I'm like, man, this, this, is, this is where I die. What a dumb way to die. I don't even like this place, and I'm gonna die here, right? It was like, get me off of this roller coaster. Anybody ever felt that before? 
right? Maybe not on a roller coaster, but maybe in life, right? Like, get me out. I want to leave. I don't want anything to do with this. Like, get me off this roller coaster. If that sounds familiar to you, you're probably like most of us the last few years, right? I don't want to do, I don't want to do this anymore. Let me off, right? Let's be honest. It's been weird. Okay, think about a global pandemic. You've all heard about it ad nauseum. We talk about it so much. Unrest in our city, right? I, I get the privilege of pastoring right in downtown Minneapolis, right in Loring Park, right next door to the convention center. It's been a weird three years in downtown Minneapolis. Boy, I tell you that right now, okay? We have all of our personal stuff, right? It, remember, there was an election in the middle of COVID. That was crazy. Remember, Phil, like, what we've been through collectively as the body of Christ, as Americans, as people, it's traumatic, right? It's difficult. In many ways, we're just beginning to start to face the ramifications of what's gone on. Mental health is at an all-time craziness level, right? Addiction, depression, people are spiraling. I'm telling you over and over and over again. And let's be honest, it's not getting any less weird. Have you noticed? Like it's not getting calmer out there. Right? And I don't tend to believe it's going to get easier. Do you know why? Because the Bible doesn't promise it will. It doesn't say, hey, things are going to get better. It's going to be awesome. Then I'm coming back. That, that, I, I would love to read that Bible. That'd be great, right? No, it says, hey, it's going to get harder. There's going to be wars, earthquakes. The love of many will grow cold, but take heart. I've overcome the world. So how do we as followers of Jesus in a completely insane world that's lost its mind, by the way, how do we operate based on the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, especially when things get hard? Like, how do we do it? When we just want off. I just want to hit the eject button. I just want to get off. And here's why I'm telling you this, because here's why this matters. What often happens in these situations when things get hard or difficult or painful or just plain awkward, and let's be honest, there's a lot of awkward in this world, right? What happens is we tend to interpret the difficulty of our circumstances as a sign that maybe God's not in this. Like if, if God was truly in this, would it actually be this hard? Like if God had really called me to this, if God had really led me here, if God had really spoken and moved me into North, Northwestern, if God had really sent me to Minnesota, if God had really moved me in with my roommate, if God had really told me to do this, would it actually be this hard? So what we do is we hit eject. Clearly God's not in this. It would never be this hard. So we pick up and we move ourselves and plant ourselves somewhere else. And I'm telling you, the last three years as a pastor, I have seen some of the most tragic train wrecks you could possibly imagine. And that the tragedy is so much of it is avoidable. If we would just tweak our perspective and change our thinking about the hard things in life. I've seen people leave marriages. I've watched people walk away from families. I've seen people walk away from the call of God on their lives. I've seen people leave churches. I've seen people leave the country. I've seen people leave because clearly if it was this hard, God must not be in it. So fam, we got to start thinking differently about the hard things in our life. We have to. We have to. We have to. I don't want you to hit the eject button. I want you to stay. I want you to lock in. I want you to expect God to move. So to do that, we're going to jump to Acts chapter 16. So if you have your Bible, get that out. It's not going to be in the screen on purpose because I want you to get it out. If it's on your phone, swipe there. If you have the actual old school, actual book Bible, open it up, okay? Acts 16, one of my absolute favorite passages, stories in the Bible. 
We're jumping in with Paul, right? And Paul, man, he's like the OG of church planning. This guy's awesome, right? Traveling around, doing ministry. He's seeing miracles happen. Converts, people are coming to Christ. People are putting their trust in Jesus Christ as the savior of their life. Getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. Demons are coming out of people. People getting healed. Paul is crushing it. Like doing everything right. Right, traveling, preaching, praying. Man, I want to model my life after Paul until we see what happens to Paul. The ministry stuff is cool, man. What happens to Paul because of the ministry stuff isn't so cool, actually, right? So look at Acts chapter 16, verse 16. It says, As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. Long story short, there's a girl possessed by a demon. Right? She's been enslaved by these men who use her for their monetary gain, okay? Right? Slavery, okay? And so what happens is Paul just says, nope, come out of her. Demon flees and leaves. It's awesome. These guys are like, man, my payday just got hijacked. Let's throw this guy in jail. So they stir up all this trouble in Philippi, right? All the city leaders, okay? Look what it says in verse 19. But when her owners saw their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. When they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they're disturbing our city. They advocate for customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. Literally false, okay? Right, just a, a false accusation, okay? But the crowd joins in, right? I mean, the crowd is loud. The crowd is angry, Right, the crowd could influence a whole lot of things, okay? The crowd joined in in attacking them, and the magistrates tore their garments and gave orders to beat them with rods. Okay, don't skip by that. Ouch. Think about it. I got a paper cut yesterday. I was like, Lord, take me now, right? <laughs> like, beaten with rods. I, I clipped my fingernail too short. I'm like, ow, right? Beaten with rods, Okay. When they had inflicted many blows on them, they threw them into the prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. Y'all, that's a bad day. Straight up. Think about it now. They did everything right. Checked off all the ministry boxes, prayed for all the people, preached all the sermons, did all the stuff for Jesus, and where did it land them? Straight in jail. Straight to jail, Right? That's where they found themselves, straight in jail. What this tells me is that sometimes you can do everything right and it can still end up badly for you. Now, if you've bought into this idea that as long as I check off the boxes and do the things, the favor of God's on me and he's gonna take care of me, truth in a sense, but just so you know, the favor of God does not guarantee you painless circumstances. Biblical Christianity is not a life free of trouble, it's a life full of purpose. And so often we find our most purpose in our biggest pains, in our biggest moments of despair, right? So we're there, here we are, Acts 16, 25, beaten within an inch of their lives, okay? Open wounds, you gotta, you just think about that. Think how, how hard that would be, how painful that would be physically, okay? If I'm Paul, I'm like, really God, really? I was doing everything. Why am I here now? right? Inner prison, feet in stocks, embarrassing. Listen, this is not like three cots in a hot, three hots in a cot, right? This is like dark, dirty prison, inner cell, okay? This is not a good time. It's a bad day. And look what happens. I love this. Verse 25. 
About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. What? Like imagine being Silas, right? Here you are, you're probably stripped naked, beat with an inch of your life, cold, hungry, dirty, and Paul's like, hey man, you wanna sing? <laughs> if I'm Silas, I'm like, no, Paul, I don't wanna sing, man. Hey, how, about, how about some Hillsong United? You wanna sing that? No, Paul, I don't wanna sing. Right? I wanna complain. I wanna open my Facebook and write a status about how unfair this is. I want to write a blog post that tells everybody how unjust these Philippi rulers are. I'm going to tell everybody who will listen to my voice how unjust our situation is right now. Paul's like, no, we're going to sing. We're going to sing. Think about that. Think about Paul's willingness in that moment to say, no, we're going to sing. And the next verse is so important. Look what it says, right? They're singing hymns to God. And what? The other prisoners were listening. Can I just tell you, when things go bad in your life, people are watching. There is a watching world out there that is looking to see how do we, as followers of Jesus, right, as people who say, this is the way to God, this is the way to true life, how are we going to respond when things get difficult? When things happen that we disagree with, how will we respond? Right? A couple years ago, I took my son Eden and his friends to a movie. Okay, him and six of his buddies. Um, so I, I walked, we got a movie tickets, we got sodas, we got popcorn, cost like 300 bucks. It was crazy, right? Movies are so expensive, okay? Walk to the counter, and you always get the question, okay, I'll have popcorn. The question is what? Do you want salt and butter? Yeah, I want salt and butter, right? Otherwise, it doesn't taste good, right? Give me all the salt you have, okay? What you heard me say was give me some salt. What I said was give me all the salt you have on this popcorn, right? Put it all on there, right? Why? Because it makes it taste better, right? The salt doesn't taste like the popcorn. The popcorn tastes like the salt. Get what I'm saying? Jesus said, you're salt. You're flavorful. You're meant to add flavor and goodness to the world around you. Go be salt. And then those movie theaters up their game even more. Listen, hey, how about some white cheddar seasoning, y'all? Let's go. Like, you want to see me lose all self-control? Give me a bag of white cheddar popcorn. That thing is gone, right? Like, I'm a pretty self-controlled guy. Eat pretty good. White cheddar popcorn, it's on, right? I, I love that stuff. So it's seasoning. It's flavorful. It makes it better. It doesn't give commentary to the popcorn. It doesn't tell the popcorn why they're tasteless, right? It doesn't tell the popcorn why they're bad. And say, hey, you're flavorful, and you're dumb, and you're useless. Why can't you be more like me, the salt? No, it just gives it flavor. It just enters in and says, I'm going to make this better. I'm going to make this more, I'm going to make this more attractive, right, so that more people will want a piece of it, right? That's what salt does. That's definitely what white cheddar seasoning does, y'all, right? Right? Makes it better. So let me spell it out to you. God didn't place you in the world. Acts teaches us that God placed every single person in the time and space, in human history, in the city you live in, in the region you're in, in the university you're in, in the job that you're in. He placed you there specifically and purposefully to accomplish his kingdom on this earth. You're there for a reason. You're here in this room, on this campus, in your dorm, in your class. You are here for a reason. It's on purpose that you're here. What God wants from us 
He wants us to not look like the world, but show the world there's a better way. There's a better way. There's a better way to do relationships and sex. There is. There's a better way to operate in your job with integrity and honesty and do things right, even if it costs you something in your life. There's a better way to do relationships and investing, not giving judgment and condemnation, but giving life and sacrifice. There's a better way to do life. It's salty. Stay salty, my friends, right? God's called us to be salt. He puts you in this world so the world around you would look at you and see Jesus. That's how the death, life, and resurrection of Jesus moves in and through our lives, right? But all too often, I've seen this tendency in Christians, myself included, right, to want to speak and influence people and culture without actually paying the cost of sacrificing and earning the right to speak truth, right? I've seen this, again, I'm the, I'm, I'm, I do this as much as anybody. It's easier to throw up a fiery Facebook post than it is to spend time investing in the messy lives of people who disagree with us, isn't it? Like it's easier to write a blog post in our basement than it is to spend time actually listening to somebody with a different perspective than I have. It's, it's much simpler to hold to a staunch political viewpoint. Yeah, I'm going there, right? A staunch political viewpoint than it is to acknowledge the complexity and tension of what it means to pursue unity amidst diversity, right? We make it so simple and it's actually not. It's messy, it's complicated, right? In short, we want all the benefits of speaking truth and influencing without the sacrifice of actually earning the right to speak truth to people who desperately need to know that there's a better way in Christ. There's a better way. It's impossible to antagonize and influence at the same time. So what are we gonna choose, right? Back to Paul and Silas, verse 26. I love this, okay? Suddenly, as they're singing, right, there is a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. That's scary. I mean, I, I imagine the ground shaking beneath your feet. That's wild, okay? The ground was shaken. Immediately, all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened, okay? I haven't been in many earthquakes, but I can't imagine an earthquake causing a door to open up and chains to fall off. This is a supernatural move of God. It is supernatural. The door flung, the locked door flung open. Locked chains fall off, right? They fell off, it's crazy, right? And immediately the doors were open. Now, honestly, if I'm Paul in that moment, I just got my miracle. Hey, doors are open, chains are off, I'm out, y'all. Like I, I, that, that, that's God's deliverance in my life as far as I'm concerned, right? I'm gone, I'm running, I'm free. Thank you, Jesus, for freedom, amen? But what happens? Look, the jailer woke up, saw the prison doors were open, drew his sword, and was about to kill himself. What's happening here is that the jail guards of the day were responsible with their life for the life of the prisoner. So that jailer knew if that prisoner was gone or dead, it was their life on the line. Okay, so rather than be killed, I'm just gonna end it right now, I'm gonna fall on my sword, because the prisoners surely are gone. Surely nobody would stay here. The doors are open. The chains are off. Why would the prisoners still be here? They're gone. I'm going to kill myself. Okay? But look what happens. I love this. And this, if you're nothing else that I say today, listen to this. Look what Paul says. Paul cried out with a loud voice, do not harm yourself. Why? For we are here. 
And I, I just happen to believe, y'all, in the season of life that we find ourselves in this world, we as followers of God more than anybody else should be, no, we are here for this. This is why we were created. All of this tension, all this political drama, all this sickness and disease, all this conflict, all this war. We can either look at it through a lens of fear or a lens of mission and say, no, we are here for this. It's why I was created. It's an honor to be alive on the earth right now. It's a privilege to be planted in Minneapolis where civil and social unrest went viral to the rest of the world a couple summers ago. We get to do this. We get to live where we live. God has placed us here for a purpose. We get to do this. Look at this. I love this. Paul says, we're here. We've not gone anywhere. Okay? The jailer called for the lights and rushed in and trembling with fear. This is the guy who had seconds ago been guarding them in prison. He was their jailer and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Think about that switch for just a minute. That's crazy. How do you think that jailer knew why to ask? I think he knew because he heard him singing. He said, man, there's something about these guys. Man, they're, they're in prison. Their feet are fastened, right? But it didn't shake them. They didn't complain. They didn't accuse. They just stopped. They just kept on singing. They stayed life-giving. They stayed positive. It's not, it's not this positivity that ignores your situation. It's a positivity that says, God's got me. Because of the life, the death, and resurrection of Jesus, I'm secure. There's nothing this world can do to me that can't take the love of God away, that can't take the mission of Christ out of my life. I'm here and I'm singing. Right? So I, I, just, I just wonder, what might this country look like, right, if Christians just stayed on mission? Let's stop giving each other commentary. Let's stop fighting with each other. Can we just stop? Can we get on mission together? Right? You think women should be pastors. You don't. Cool. Gospel. You believe in the gifts of the Spirit. You don't. Cool. Gospel. Like, let's stop fighting. Let's start partnering. Amen? Let's move the ball down the field together. Let's watch heaven come to earth. It's what Jesus prayed for. My kingdom come. My will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay? I love this. What this tells me is this. You got four more minutes. Stay with me. God's plan has never been about retreat. It's always been about redemption. God's plan has never been about retreat. It's always been about redemption. We can get so addicted to comfort. It happens to all of us. My opinion, my way of living, my comfort in life, my politics, my personality, me, 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 me. Then we, we, when we encounter a harder season, we get triggered. Right? And we go into rationing mode. I'm going to go internal. I'm going to keep all these things to myself. Right? Anybody tries to attack me, I'm going to lash out. Rather than say, hey, throw me in prison. Hey, put me, hey I'm going to keep singing. I'm going to stay life-giving. I'm going to stay on mission. I'm going to serve my church. I'm going to serve my city. I'm going to serve the people in my city that I disagree with. I'm going to listen more than I talk. I'm going to talk to Jesus, about Jesus a lot more than I talk about people. Right? I'm going to bring Jesus a lot more than I bring my opinions on things. Right? I'm going to stay on mission. 
Paul knew that in God's economy, there's no place for self-preservation. There's no place for your own opinions. He, was, he refused to become addicted to the things God had blessed him with, right? He refused to become addicted to the things God had blessed him with, and he became addicted to the mission of God in his city, wherever he found himself. So I just want to pose another question to you. The question I led with was, hey, you ever been in a situation you want to get out of? The question I'll leave you with is what if that situation that you so desperately want to get out of, the situation that's awkward and painful and difficult and frustrating, what if God has called you not to leave but to stay? See, I just happen to believe that God is in the business of revealing himself to people. Like he's really good at it. He loves to do it. He loves to show himself to people. He loves to show up in people's lives. I don't think the problem in our world today is God's willingness to reveal himself. I tend to believe the problem is his own followers' willingness to hang around in the tension, in the destruction, in the difficulty, in the pain, long enough for him to prove himself good through their lives. So what if your pain today was not about you? What if it was about those people God has placed around you that he wants to get a hold of their lives? What if God wants to do something in you that's so much more important than what's happening around you? What if the very thing you're going through, God wanted to use to reach your family, to reach your neighborhood, to reach your roommate? Come on, somebody, right? To reach the people around you. What if that hard thing was God's actual deliverance for your life? I just want to encourage you, as you go through hard things here at Northwestern, as you go on and get in ministry, and you get into business, and you start things and end things, live life on mission no matter what comes your way. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for this room of leaders and future business leaders and politicians and church leaders and missionaries and church planners and everything you're going to do through the people in this room. God, it's huge. The potential in this room to change the world is gigantic. We ask that you would give us a steel spine in your spirit, God, that you would center us on the truth that you're always with us, that you're always for us. And if you are with us and you are for us, no one or no thing can be against us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have an awesome day, Northwestern. Thank you so much.